0: I understand that last week, Pastor Shader was sharing with you, and he told you that Becky and I were in Georgia, visiting our daughter and our son-in-law and our first granddaughter, grandchild Kensington, we call her Kinsey, and uh, I need to give a little correction to the story that he gave you. There might have been just a slight spirit of exaggeration going on with uh, what he was sharing, I, and I have the video to prove it, to back it up. Uh, yes, they are teaching our little granddaughter. She's uh, 22 months old, I guess now, and she folds her little hands and she prays for her food, and it's it's very precious. And she makes sure we pray, and, if, and then they, and then she loves to say "Amen" because that means I'm we're done, and I can eat. And so I think uh, that's how that works, <laughs> but um. Anyway, she, uh, uh, she had already eaten a little bit and of the rest of us gathered around the table and, it was, and she wanted us to pray again. And Shannon would have you think I was going on and on and on with an eternally long prayer. And that wasn't quite how it happened. I got six words out. Lord, we thank you that... And she said, amen, because she was she was ready. Right. Maybe she was afraid Papa was going to go on forever. So anyway, I just was tr- making sure we had that correction here. I didn't want you to understand uh, something that was false. Um, but it was one night that we were there. It was such a joy to be with them. And um, a peaches this time of year in Georgia? Oh, my goodness. I'm sorry. My I just had a flash there that took me off. Um, but I was... Um, Putting her to bed one night, and uh, which was a joy, she goes to bed easily. But she loves to read; uh, have a story read to her before she goes to bed. So, I carried her up to her room, got in the rocker, got all situated. She picked the book out. She has a uh, her favorite book to have read is her children's Bible story book, which they have for her, and uh, which makes this papa's heart glad got all situated and uh, she wanted to read out of that book and I brought it to me and I picked her up and held her and, and the book opened just kind of randomly to the story of Jonah and the whale. And of course, in a children's Bible story book, it's a very abbreviated version of the story. It didn't take long to read it and she was ready to be off to sleep. So we all know the story of Jonah and the whale. We've heard it since we were kids in, in Sunday school. But what I did was... Uh, later on that evening, as I was going to bed, I I got my Bible out and uh, and I thought I, I just want to I want to read the whole of the uh, of the narrative about it. You know, sometimes I think church it's easy for us to um, maybe not go back and revisit the stories that we are confident that we know well. We're always looking for a new revelation and a fresh word from God, and we've, we love discovering new scriptures that say something and speak poignantly to us, but it's also important to go back and visit the stories that we know so very well, and the stories that are in a children's uh, Bible version would is, is a good place to start to do that. And I decided to go back and just see, is there anything I've missed? Is there anything that the Lord would say specifically? And that's, uh, that's how I did it. I read it again to see what the Lord might say. And kind of what I want to share with you is, is, what, came, is what happened um, as I was just pondering all of this. In the book of Jonah, the first chapter uh, gives us the story of what happened and why. And let me just give you a little brief, brief synopsis of it in case it's been a while since you've read it. Jonah chapter 1, verse 1 says this, the Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction. You may have a version that says Jonah got up and ran in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. How stupid can we be? And we see that he that he's tested and he failed the test. He gets on the boat for Tarshish at the port of Joppa. Uh, The Lord causes a powerful storm to come, threatening to break the ship apart. Uh, And the crew cast lots to see who had offended God and caused this awful thing to happen. And guess what? It was revealed and made known to them that the problem was Jonah. All that to say, just be sure your sins will find you out, right? Uh, As I was preparing with um Andrea, who's, our projectionist today, uh, this morning, early this morning, she said, you know there's a, a meme that's being floating around right now that was very appropriate. Go ahead and show that, Andrea. Whoever is supposed to go to Nineveh, just go ahead and go already. Just get us out of this pandemic, all this thing going on, if that's the reason. If you were supposed to go, go, go to Nineveh. I thought that was very appropriate. Let's go to verse 17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for how long? I can't hear you. Thank you. And so ends chapter one. Chapter two is all about what really happens in the belly of the great fish or the whale. We're going to get back to that. That's where we're going to spend our time today. Chapter three, we see Jonah experiencing yet another test. His first test was in chapter 1, that he messed up pretty bad. Chapter 3, we see another test, and this says this, chapter 3, verse 1. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Say second time. I think it's worth pausing just for a quick moment to recognize that we serve the God of a second time. How many are thankful for it today? Our God loves us, church, and he is steadfast in his unflinching commitment to our well-being, to fulfill his purposes and his plans and his callings on our life. That's why he's committed. Sometimes it takes a second time. How many say, my testimony, it's been a third, fourth, and fifth time on many situations? Well, I'm glad he's the God of the the multiple opportunities. He doesn't just say to us, okay, you've messed up. That's it. You checked off. You're out of here. But he came back to Jonah a second time, and that is great news for you and for me today. Verse 2, get up. And go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. And verse 3 tells us this time, this is the second test, this time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and he went to Nineveh and he passed the test. Those of you who are educators in the room will understand this concept of a pretest and a post-test. A student may be tested on the front end before they actually enter into a class um, or a course of study just to see where they are in their understanding of the subject material. That is a normal process with educators. And then there's this season in between. Here's the pretest. Then there's this season in between where they're actually being taught um, and learning the, the subject material that is designed for them to learn in that course of study. And then there is a test, what we call a post-test, on the other side of it. Pre-test over here, post-test over here. Uh, to see how far they have come now in their comprehension of that which they have been taught. And I think that's what we're seeing here in this story in the life of Jonah. Chapter one was the pretest; He failed it miserably, and so do we, right? But then chapter three is the post-test, and Jonah passes that gloriously. But those two tests are incomplete, they are, or do not complete the story. If you do not give attention to chapter two, which is the in-between. And that's where I would like to spend my time for the next few minutes here. And here's why. Because every one of us in this room, everyone watching online, we find ourselves today in the in-between. You're in between something. We're all waiting on God for something. We're all depending upon God for something. We're all hoping for something. We're in the in between the pretest test and the post-test. And I'm confident today that we all have failed in some area of our lives when it comes to the pretest. test That's happened for all of us. We, we, we should have been there, but we weren't. We, we shouldn't have made that decision, but we did. We should have waited a little bit longer, but we didn't, or or we shouldn't have waited so long, but we did. We should have loved better. We should have submitted more, and if you're like me, we can easily fail test after test after test, but here's the good news. We're in good company. Because when you read the scriptures, you find lots of men and women who have done the same thing that you and I have done, and they have failed. Just look at Moses. He failed his pretest. He killed somebody. Okay? Look at Peter one of, uh, of the most uh, noted and celebrated people in all the New Testament, uh, he failed miserably. He's cutting ears off, and he's denying that he even knows Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. What about the children of Israel? They failed their pretests. They were, they were worshiping idols, and they were making false gods, and it wasn't just once or twice, many, many times. Even Paul, who wrote the majority of the New Testament, he had a what we would consider to be a pretest fail he thought he was serving god as a devout jew by killing christians and persecuting believers he thought he was right in his positions and actions don't we all but he failed his pretest and so do you and i just like jonah did but i find it interesting that in jonah's in between circumstances between the tests god took him to a deep place. And he took him to the belly of a whale. And I love how it's worded in the NIV when it says this in verse 17 of chapter one. Now the Lord provided, say that word. The Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Somehow, church, I wish I had the verbal skills and the ability to communicate to you how important this is. We must understand that the whale is the place that God had crafted and designed for Jonah. We've just read it. It's, the word says God provided the whale. And what I want us to see is the symbolism of what exactly happened. What was the whale to Jonah? Now, as I go over this list, listen carefully, please. As I go over this list, I want to see if what of it relates to your life and your situation. What was the whale to Jonah? The whale was something bigger than he was. The whale was something that swallowed him whole. It was, it, he was completely surrounded by it. It was a dark place. It was a, a lonely place. No one was there to encourage him. No one was there to, to uh, lift him up. And honestly, it was a disgusting place. Can you imagine what the smell was like being in the middle of the whale? So here, Jonah sits, uh, to be a bit more graphic about it, in stomach acid. And I want you to see the symbolism. Because I, I always feel that my task is to take you, and if I can get your attention long enough, and put you in the story. Because then and only then will you begin to see yourself in the story and what God might be wanting to say to you or do in you. So thinking of the whale symbolically, let me ask you today, what is your whale? What is your whale? What has you surrounded that is bigger than you are? What is the dark and lonely place that you're in? What has swallowed you whole? What... disgusting place, smelly place, has you confused and frustrated with God? Now, uh, let me just tell you, for you and I to go further in this message, I need for you to identify in your mind, what is your whale? Don't say it out loud, but whatever that is, you need to get that in your mind for us to go further in this message. And then once you identify it, I think there's something that we can learn from this well-known story in Scripture Look again at this verse 17. Now the Lord provided, say that word, a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And with your whale in mind, let's acknowledge what I'm considering my point number one, that is this. My whale has a purpose. Say that. How confusing is that? He's sitting in a dark, lonely Disgusting place, which is taking him in the opposite direction from where he intended to go. And verse seventeen, we just read it says, "The Lord provided that." So, is this what Jehovah Jireh does? This is how he provides. Well, I want to ask you. I want to ask you to listen to me carefully as I'm going to hit you with this question. What if the whale that you find yourself in? Is not punishment, but it's your provision. What if the whale that you feel that you're in today, that you've considered to be punishment, is not punishment, but it's your provision? Keep in mind that God was endeavoring to work in Jonah, and Jonah was in this in between season. But isn't it interesting to note that you and I have a strong tendency to always see our difficulty and our difficult days, th- th- those days, that's the test. These difficult days, that's the test. When I find myself in the whale, I'm always prone to say, oh, God is testing me and this is a, is a test and surely I'll come out on the other side with a testimony after I've been through this test. What if that's not the test? Nineveh was the test. The whale was the study guide. I think, the thing that I think is the difficulty is actually the thing that is shaping me for the real test to come. I hate to encourage it too much, but that's where we're at. What you are considering to be your difficulty, the whale that you are in. Is really that experience is really what's shaping you for what is to come. And here's what we must understand about it, church. Without the whale experience, you will be stuck in your pretest results forever. You took the pretest and you failed. Jonah took the pretest and he failed. And if you don't then go through the in between period before you're tested on the other side, with the whale experience, if you don't go through that and you, you, you reject that process, then you are stuck with your pretest results for the rest of your life, and you will stay in your failure. But out of our mistakes, God takes us, takes you and me to the same place he took Jonah, to a deep place. And in the belly of the whale is where God was doing his greatest work in Jonah's heart. I don't know about you, but sometimes... I've noticed in my many seasons of life that God has to take me through a difficult season to get me to start thinking about what God is doing in me through that season. I, I have to walk into the season. I have to literally walk through it and then begin to realize that God is doing something in me. And you know as well as I do That our darkest seasons of life are those moments when we when that draws us closest to God. Any of you who've walked with God for any period of time, you know that's the situation. It was those dark times that got you closest to God. And so here's the truth: God loves you so much that he would put you in a whale to prepare you for your calling. God loved Jonah and God loved None of us so much that he provided a whale. He provided a lonely place. He provided a dark place. He provided a disgusting place. He provided a place where Jonah could go deep so that God's purposes, his will, his way, his plan could be worked out and actualized in the life of Jonah. So as we look at this in-between chapter of Jonah, chapter 2, we see Jonah processing the whole thing. And here's what I want us to see. This is important. In verse 2 of this chapter, he says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. I find that interesting because the last time he had communication with the Lord was when God had told him to go to Nineveh and he ran in the opposite direction. But now he's in trouble. And what does he do? He cries out to the Lord. And isn't that like all of us? Some of us wait until, even after we've disobeyed and gone in the opposite direction we're supposed to be going. And we wait until things are a total mess. Everything is all messed up. And that's when we cry out to the Lord. But he says this, it's so wonderful to be able to have this in Scripture for us to process. I cried out to the Lord in my in my great trouble, and he answered me. Somebody ought to say, thank God. Church, we serve a faithful God. When we've run the wrong direction, when we've taken it to the wrong place, when we've even tried to run away, when we didn't like what, what was possible, and we decided to run away, God still hears us, and he still answers us, and he is Faithful, and he answered me. I called to you, Jonah says, from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Who's thankful today that God hears you? And because we see God responding to Jonah here, it validates my second main point, which is this My whale is proof that God isn't finished with me yet. Your whale is proof. That God isn't fit. the whale itself is the proof. Surely Jonah had to be sitting in the belly of a whale, saying, "Oh my, my goodness, this is crazy! How did I end up here? Surely this is my the undoing. I'll be done. I'm going to die here. And I got in this place. This is ridiculous." You, you know, church, there have always been people who've tried to prove that the Bible is full of error and full of inaccuracies. We certainly see that today. And uh, I was thinking of that as I was reading this little story to my granddaughter the, the other night, that the story of Jonah and the whale is always high on the list of those things that people say that are trying to disprove Scripture, and they say, well, that was, that was impossible. It's impossible. It's impossible that a fish could swallow a man. It's impossible that a man could survive being in the belly of a whale for three days. There's no air in there. He, uh, Jonah couldn't breathe. And, and there's all these reasons. It's, it's impossible. That's why this, the Bible can't be true. And honestly, in some regards, you have to agree with them. It seems impossible. However, let me tell you something else that's impossible. It's impossible that a man could die on a cross, be put in a grave, three days later be raised from the dead. That's impossible also. And that's the whole point. With God, that which seems impossible can be possible. Are you with me today, church? So here sits Jonah in the stomach acid and starts to wonder how am I even breathing? I mean, I'm breathing and I'm still alive. How have I not been destroyed by this massive animal? And Jonah concludes, this must mean God's not finished with me yet. I'm not dead yet. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm not dead yet. I tell you, I, I told the first service this. I have told the more details of the story, and I won't go into that. But I want to tell you this. That I'll tell you when I had that thought. It was March, the evening of March the eighth, sometime in the ten o'clock p.m. hour, in 1993, in a hotel room in Mobile, Alabama, when uh, a, a man and a woman got into my—it's a long story—got into my hotel room, and uh, and I was being robbed at gunpoint. And I remember after he'd thrown me down on the ground and put his foot on my neck and put his gun to the base of my brain. My head was turned to the right, the bed's over here. Um, and back in those days, we had there was phones in the hotel rooms that were plugged into the wall. Mm-hmm. We, we don't do that today as much, but that's where it was. And uh, I looked over there only to see his female counterpart yanking that phone wire out from the wall. And I, I graphically remember what went through my, my mind. They're not going to kill me in this. God's not finished with me yet. There was a gun to the base of my brain. I knew at any second he could blow my brains out. But when I saw that that was coming out, that something surged over me, I'm going to live through this thing. God's not finished with me yet. And I want that to be a word for some of you today. You're going to live through this thing, and God's not finished with you yet. Because Jonah could have easily said, God, if you were done with me, I I could have drowned by now. But no, you're not finished with me yet. You provided a whale for me. It was your provision to me, and you must have a plan. And church, you and I need to begin to look at our whales of our lives and realize that we serve an awesome God who has a good plan for us. Have you ever had the experience I've had, and that is just looking back over your life, the seasons of your life when you were able to kind of you know, zoom out a bit and you, and you go, how did I survive that? How on earth? Am I the only one? Raise your hand if you've ever had that experience. How did I survive that? How on earth did I ever make it through? When I consider how difficult those days were, how am I even breathing today? How am I even living after all the stupid things that I've done? Every one of us in this room can say this for sure. You're still here and you are alive. There's a heart that is beating in your chest. You're still breathing. There's air in your lungs. It may be his breath in your lungs, but that's why we pour out our praise as we sing. And every one of us in this house can say this today. We have come this far by faith, leaning on the Lord, trusting in his holy word, and he has never failed me yet. If that is your testimony, put your hands together and give praise to the Lord church if there's breath in your lungs and you can rest assured that God still has purpose divine purpose for you on this earth and let your whale become the proof that God isn't finished with you yet looking on to verse 4 as we watch Jonah continue to process and talk to himself I'm in Jonah chapter 2 now verse 4 Then I said, Jonah said, Then I said, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Uh, Some of the versions would say, You have banished me from your presence. Can I just say, that's exactly how you and I would probably feel and how we do feel when we get into the belly of our whale and to our situation. The first thing we tend to think is, God's forgotten me, He doesn't even see me anymore. Um, He has banished me from his sight. But we can learn today from Jonah how quickly he turned. In fact, it's within the same verse. Oh, Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Then he says, yet, say that word. Yet. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. Here's the way I feel. I feel like you have absolutely forsaken me. You don't see me. You have forgotten me. That's the way I feel. You have driven me from your presence. but I'm going to take a breath. Then yet, say it again. That's an important word today. Yet I will look once more towards your holy temple. In other words, this whole experience appears to me to be one thing. I see all the negative. I see how bad it is. I see how it stinks. I see everything. But yet... I am going to choose to look at it from a different angle. Say it again. Yet. Yet. One more time. Yet. Yet. It appears that God has forgotten me. It looks like he's banished me. It seems like God doesn't see me. But you know what? I know God too well. I've walked with God for too long. I have seen his faithfulness over years and years and years. I've seen how he has brought me through in the past. I've seen what he's done in my life. I've seen how he has worked through the impossibilities of my life. He has proven himself to be the God of the impossible. Yet, yet, yet. I've got too much history with God to not trust him. I know him too well. Regardless of how I feel today. Yet. Yet. I will praise him, yet I will turn my face toward his holy temple. I know where he has brought me from. I know what he has brought me through. So based upon the truth of the word of God that I have staked my life upon, and based upon my own experience, I'm going to look once more. I'm going to take another look. And that's what Jonah is teaching us. Oh, somebody say, Lord, give me grace. Church, if we're not careful, then my point number three can happen. Point number three is this. My whale can block my view. My whale can block my view. Whales are big. So are my problems. Whales are huge. And our difficulties are insurmountable. And there are times, and if I could get you to an honest place today, you would say this too. There are times that can cause us to look at God differently than we should, or in some cases, block our view entirely. I think most of us have had the experience of having a conversation with someone. That person has encountered difficulties and circumstances, and we're listening to them lament uh, the magnitude of the problem. Uh, only to hear them say as they come to the end of it and they just can't believe all this has happened to them and how bad it is and only to hear them say words like how could a loving God allow this to happen? If God loves me, how could he allow this to happen? Well, let me tell you what's going on with that person. They are allowing the size of their whale to block their view of who the sovereign almighty God is. And that's what we are being admonished to avoid today and to be guarding against. Don't let your whale block your view. Is it difficult? Yes. Is it smelly? Yes. Is it disgusting? Yes. It is all of that. But you cannot allow your whale to block your view because just because your view has changed does not mean your God has changed. No matter how much you think you've lost sight of God, guess what? It is still true, no matter what you think about it, that God has never lost sight of you. Look at what the psalmist says in Psalm 32. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. And God says, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. Raise your hand if you're thankful there's a loving eye on you today. It is greatly comforting to me to know that even when I don't see God. What's that song we sing? Even when I don't see it, he's working. Even when I don't feel it, he's working. It's a great comfort to know because his ways are bigger than my ways. His thoughts are higher than my thoughts. That even when I don't see it and my whale is so big that it's blocking my view, I still, when I take a breath and I will deign to do this, I sit back and I go, I can rest assured that he still has his eye on me, even when I can't see him. Church, don't let your whale block your view. Verse 7 of our text, Jonah says this. He says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. It's an important thing for us to process, for us to think about as we're processing. Your memory, if you're like me, maybe slipping a bit, you know, I understand that. But your memory is one of the most powerful things that you possess. Our memories can take us to very dark and not so good places. That can happen. Some of you have those memories. But our memories also have the power to take us to very bright and fulfilling places. And you, you get to choose that. I almost always, at the close of a of a, um, of a graveside service, when there's a particular, if it's just a smaller group, it's just the family that's there. I will give some sort of an admonition. Sometimes I know the history of the family and say, whatever you do, as you lay this loved one to rest, hang on to the good memories. Let the rest of it go. What good's it gonna do you now? Hang on to the good memories. I can tell you, I have laid to rest my father-in-law, my mother-in-law, My own dad, my mother's still alive. She's 92, 92. And with our parents, I have nothing but good memories. Were there some dark days? Sure. We're humans like everybody else. But I I hold on to the good memories. And we have a powerful thing in this thing called a memory that God gives us. You have a choice. For some reason, it always seems that it takes us getting into the belly of a whale to remember the goodness of God. We have to get in these dire circumstances and then remember. It's it's kind of crazy what we what we choose to remember. Let me give you a test. It goes like this. Here's the story of a lovely lady. What's that show? Okay, why do you remember that? That's what you remember? We remember, we remember some of the crazy things. First of all, it's been seared on your mind because it's a catchy tune and and also because you you probably watch the show way too much. Uh, But we remember the crazy stuff like the Brady Bunch or the Beverly Hillbillies or whatever else. But yet we have difficulty remembering the goodness of God. It's like that gets blocked from our view when we remember the testimony that he has allowed us to have and to develop over years and years and years. That's why I often will use the phrase, we need to guard our testimony. It's very, very important. We struggle to remember how faithful he's been throughout our whole life that has brought you to the point you're at today. Because here's what's true. If he got me through my past, he's going to get me through this whale I'm in today. We've heard it so often that the psalmist said "You know, he was encouraging himself in the Lord. Why so downcast, O my soul? Hope thou in God, for yet, say the word, yet will I praise him. You know what yet means? It means this, even if. It means even if. It means even in the whale. That's what yet means. Yet I will praise him. Even if my circumstances are smelly. Even if this is, I have no possible way out of what I'm doing. Even if, yet will I praise him. That's what yet means. And so what God was teaching Jonah, he was teaching him how to encourage himself. Wasn't another person there. He had no podcast to listen to. He couldn't watch any Christian television. He probably had no Bible with him. He had nothing. He had to encourage himself in the Lord. And church, there will come those times when you have to encourage yourself in the Lord. You would like for someone else to do it. Wouldn't it be nice if someone sent you a lovely uh, complimenting email or you got a great text or a phone call that just lifted your heart, lifted your spirits and edified your soul? That's wonderful. But there are days you have to learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. Why so downcast, O oh my soul? Hope thou in God for? For? I will praise him. How to encourage yourself... Remember the goodness of the Father. Remember how good he's been to you. And I want you to see how how Jonah did it. Back up to verse 3, we see Jonah actually, he's quoting a psalm that David wrote, and there's a wonderful parallel here. Watch this closely. Jonah chapter 2, verse 3. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All of your waves and breakers swept over me and when jonah said that he was quoting psalm 42 which says deep calls unto deep in the roar of your waterfalls and the psalmist said all your waves and breakers swept over me jonah found himself In a deep place. And he remembered the words of the psalmist David. The deepest parts of me call for the deepest things of God. And all of your waves and breakers are sweeping over me. Let me remind you this morning of something you can do. You can be encouraged for your future by looking at the faithfulness of God in your past. When you're needing encouragement and there's no one else around, just look back and see what God's brought you through. And it seems that Jonah experienced this moment when he began to remember the faithfulness of God. He said, I remembered the Lord. And that's something you and I need to do as well. What do you remember? Well, Remember what, remember what God told Joshua in Deuteronomy. I will never leave you, never forsake you. Remember that. Remember the faithfulness of God from Isaiah 54 where he says, no weapon formed against you has got to prosper no matter what's being aimed at you right now. Remember what God told Abraham in Genesis 28, I will be with you, and I will watch over you wheresoever you go, which includes even in the belly of a whale, he's watching over you, his loving eye is on you, and the best lesson that we can learn from Jonah is given to us in the very first word of the second chapter when he says this, then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. And what I want you to notice, if you go home this afternoon and read the whole of the chapter two of Jonah, I want you to look at it through this lens. He could be crying out as a victim. Jonah could well have done that. If you end up in the belly of a whale, you're going to feel a little victimized, I'm pretty sure. He could be crying out as a victim. He could be asking God why he was in this horrible place. He could be Just so focused on that. But can I tell you, when you read the whole of chapter 2 of Jonah, it is laced with thanksgiving and praise. Because what he had done is, I remembered the Lord. He remembered the faithfulness of God, and that's what made him thankful. Bethesda, when you remember the faithfulness of God, thanksgiving will automatically rise up within you. It's like you can't stop it when you go back and look what God has done. As he captured God's faithfulness from his past, he dragged it into his present. And then that gave him the ability to worship God for what he was, God, God was about to do in his life. Captured God's faithfulness from the past, dragged it into his present, which gave him faith to believe what God is going to do in his future. That way, with God's help, we can accept what is, we can let go of what's wrong, and we can have faith for what will be. So the question to you and me today is this. What will you do in your whale? What will you do? Can I praise him in spite of it? Can I thank him in spite of it? Can I worship him in spite of it? And here's where I'm going to end, but I want you to hear every word of it. Pastor Brent, if you want to come. Verse 10 says this. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Some versions are a little more graphic. They say something like this. The Lord commanded the fish to vomit Jonah out onto dry land. You'll find that there too. So if we can come, if we can come to the understanding That my whale has a purpose. Your whale has a purpose. And if you're in a whale, that must mean God's not finished with you yet. And if you can keep that whale from blocking your view of God, then my point number four is this. Your whale will launch you into your destiny. Your whale will launch you into your destiny. The best part of this whole story is this. The Lord ordered... The Lord commanded the fish. Can I just remind you? How could he do that? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. That means even into the depths of the sea, God has authority. Hello? Even to the depths of the sea, God has authority over every living thing. He has complete dominion over this whale. And all the Lord had to say is, hey, whale. Spit up my man Jonah, and uh, I picked out a spot right there. Put him about right there, over there on that shore. And can I just say this to you? The Lord has authority over your whale too. He has full dominion over that which has swallowed you up. Now, the story of the Old Testament, any story in the Old Testament, is a foreshadowing of the coming Messiah. So, let me ask you again. According to our text, Jonah was in the belly of the whale how long? And one more time. Does that sound familiar to anybody? I know of someone else who spent three days and three nights in a dark and lonely and despicable place. And my fifth and final point is this. My whale cannot contain me any more than the grave could contain Jesus." Oh, come on, somebody. My whale cannot contain me any more than the grave could contain Jesus. The call of God on Jonah was so strong that the whale could never have contained him. But a work was being done in the whale and the grave could not contain Jesus. But locked in the dark places of that tomb, a work was being done, but that work was for you and for me. You and I have failed our pretest miserably just like Jonah did, but after the belly of the whale, he gloriously passed his post-test as we saw in chapter 3. And the good news is that by the grace of God, for you and I miserably fail our post-test, we're going to pass, we failed our pretest. We're going to pass our post-test every time. Why? Because Jesus was willing to go into the belly of death for us for three days and three nights. And the good news is that the grave vomited Jesus out because it could not contain him, just like the whale could not contain Jonah. And because of all of that, you and I are going to pass the test. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we're grateful today for your word, lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. Probably not a person in the room that isn't facing some challenge and difficulty, find themselves in the in-between, the pre-test and the post-test. But I'm asking for grace for us all today. I'm asking God that you will help us to see something in a different way than we've seen it before and whatever we do to not take our eyes off of you knowing that you have your loving eye upon us. And that never, 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 never stops. So we give you praise for that today. God, give us grace. Give us grace to walk out of the situation until you are ready to deliver us. and, And we receive the work that you are doing within us. And we give you thanks for it in the name of Jesus. And the church said, amen.